0: ever get the uneasy feeling that you've been fed a lie? Not just any lie, but one that you have believed your entire life and which has guided many of your decisions. Most of the time, we shake off this feeling and go about our lives. But what if that feeling was the key to unlocking everything? I'm Joe Kwan, The Connection Counselor, and on each episode of The Big Lie, We'll reveal a new lie that, once uncovered, has the power to transform your relationships, career, and life. Let's do this.
1: What can you do to ease the anxiety and worry that run in the background like never-ending ache? Why does our mind keep spinning at night when it's time to sleep? Are you uncomfortable with all the uncertainty and instability that 2020 brought us? If your answer is yes, you're not alone. There are multiple tools, techniques, and resources that help me and my clients to overcome these and many other mental and emotional challenges. My name is Oksana Esberard, and I'm an expert in mental wellness and personal development through mindfulness and meditation for busy professionals. And I'm excited to share many practical tools with you via a three-day virtual reset to wellness retreat. Get the details and sign up at www.sattva.me forward slash retreat. Pay what you can, space is limited. Or you can watch and practice at your own pace for 14 days with a replay access. Go to www.sattva.me forward slash retreat. Don't miss this opportunity to reset the well-being. See you there.
0: Welcome everyone to The Big Lie, and today I am super excited to share with you a special friend and a guest. Andy Vargo, uh, met him in person a couple times at a conference that we both attend, NLV. Um, Andy is all about owning your awkward. That is what Andy challenges each of us to do. But it's not something he did for himself for the first 40 years of his life. So Andy understands the potential of being yourself, and is on a mission to help others do the same thing in order to unlock the powers of their full potential and, even more, live their best life. Coming out of the closet at 40 has not been what defines him. Finally being himself and pursuing his passion for helping others does. During the day, Andy works corporate events and schools as a motivational speaker and one-on-one as a life coach. At night, you can find him working stages around the Northwest as a comedian, making light of his journey with the gift of laughter. Awkward is not only his brand, but his style as Andy encourages us all to own your awkward and be true to our genuine selves. Andy is the author of the Awkward Journal series, hosts the podcast, Own Your Awkward, and shares thoughts and ideas in his blog and video series. Welcome, Andy. So excited to have you here.
2: Thank you, Joe. I'm so excited to be on. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, so uh, we've met each other uh, a couple times in person. Love your podcast. I, uh, I think I've actually been on it as well. Tell us some, um, bring us up to date a little bit about some new developments in your life. How are things been going?
2: Oh, well, things have been going great. I, you know, during this lockdown time of COVID, I actually was really productive. I was able to rebrand. I've got my new branding with my own. you awkward. Got the shirt there Sweet. and uh, have finished up my latest book, which I am super excited to be kicking off here in the next month. It's the Own Your Awkward Life Changes, which we've all run into changes here, whether we expected to or not and in ways we didn't expect to. And so the timing is great. It was something I was already working on, but uh, that, that's kind of the latest and greatest. Got a new website coming out and just getting everything refreshed and taking it to the next level.
0: All right, great. Well, let's get to know you just a little bit better. Um, Name one guilty pleasure that you can share on the podcast.
2: Oh, my gosh, that I can share on the podcast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is a PG podcast, Andy.
2: Right. Uh, Definitely, I would have to say I have a sweet tooth. I have an addiction to chocolate and candy and anything sweet. And I have been known to start baking something at 1am just because I'll, I'll think I'm going to be good and not buy candy to bring home. And then I hold out until about midnight and it's like, okay, I'm just going to make some no bake cookies or bake some chocolate chip cookies really quick. And uh, yeah, I, I definitely hit the sweets pretty hard. I have to control that.
0: Wow. If you ever get a chance to go down to um, Orlando, certainly when it's uh, safer to move about, um, we go to universal and there's a place called the chocolate emporium and Okay that has your number all over it like the desserts that that they have oh my gosh it's crazy
2: yeah that definitely sounds like my kind of place
0: (laughs) all right well let's um talk about our launching point today today we're going to do not a video but a poem that you have selected um and if you don't mind i um would ask you to read the poem and share it with the audience
2: all right so the poem that i chose has been a, a a, a quote that's stuck with me all through my life, but it's the road not taken by Robert Frost. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood and sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other just as fair and having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear it was for what the passing there had worn them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay In leaves no step had trodden black Oh, I kept the first for another day Yet knowing how way leads on to way I doubted if I should ever come back I shall be telling this with a sigh Somewhere ages and ages hence Two rose diverged in a wood and I I took the one less traveled by And that's made all the difference
0: Wow, love that poem It is a, it, it is a classic for sure um, So today's lie, which you have... Um, decided to share with us uh, is about, you know, I'm not good enough, about not being good enough. Can you share with us a little bit about uh, what this poem means to you and and how that fits into your discovery of this lie over the course of your journey?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, for myself, I always felt like I needed to be on a different path. And for myself, with not feeling good enough, I was constantly reading self-help books or or buying into you know, the things you hear at work about, oh, you need to be better in this area and that area. You, got, you have to work in all these places. And I would overlook the things that were my best talents because I didn't see how they would fit into the career I was in. And it just always made me feel like I should have taken that other road. If I would have taken a different road, maybe I would have been promoted sooner or been into a different position or had a bigger house or whatever the, all the things are that you measure success by in society. And yet, not going down that road is actually what's made all the difference in my life. And I just needed to really understand that that's what the gift was.
0: You know, it's, it's so interesting to me when you talk about um, kind of the advice that others have given you, right? Like people are always happy to opine on, you know, what we should do and, and what's right. the best for us. And, and it seems to me that, that you figured out and, and you've owned the fact that you kind of knew all along maybe – very deep down inside what was best for you but sometimes we don't quite hear it or listen to ourselves so talk to us about how that kind of evolved for you
2: yeah for sure i i definitely i definitely did know deep down inside that that i didn't feel like i had to live that same life but what happens is when when you surround yourself with a certain type of thinking and whether it's you know corporate america thinking or the people that you're with you, you start to believe that that's how you should be, even if you don't fit in with that. And so you become at odds with what you're willing to accept and bring into your life. And that's that's pretty much where I was. I, I I was I was successful in my career. I was actually doing really well. It it wasn't that I was you know just scraping along and not getting by, but I was never happy or fulfilled. And so even though I was having success, which almost made it worse because it made me buy into the idea that I was on the right path. Mm-hmm. And yet I wasn't, I was less happy and more unsettled than I even realized I was because I had just accepted it. Mm.
0: So what you're saying really resonates with me quite a bit. And I imagine some of our listeners, um, it brings to mind when, when you say success, right? And and sorry to slip into corporate America uh, back again for a second, but like, what is your metric of success. Wow. Right. And, and for a lot of people, it's kind of obvious, like what's the next raise, what's the promotion, what's the salary, what's the title, how great is the company I'm working at? Like that's kind of like an obvious metric, but it sounds like to me you figured out that your metric wasn't any of those things. So um, talk to us about like, what is your metric for success these days?
2: Yeah, I, I tell you, so well, it's interesting. Cause when I was in middle school, I, I've always been very entrepreneurial, very go-get'em, and I, I've been selling things since I was ten years old, in one form or another, if not younger. Mm-hmm. But I, when I was in middle school, I was mowing lawns, I was babysitting for my siblings' kids. I had more expendable income than I've had the last few years after switching my life around, Because yeah. I had all this money coming in and no bills. Yeah, yeah, and. And what I realized after I made all these life changes is that my definition of success was wrong because it was all tied to Income possessions and I didn't put the right value on happiness and being content and putting purpose into life. Because even though I I felt like I had a purpose that I wanted to go after I tried to bring that into how I worked. I tried to, you know, treat people well and manage my staff the way that I felt they should be managed, but the thing that I was selling, the, the concept that I was pushing behind, the company I was working for, they weren't, they weren't part of that bigger value system of what I wanted to promote. And, and that's the level of success that is so much more fulfilling beyond money. And when you talk about corporate America and the societal norms of success, it's very easy to go to the type, kind of car, the kind of house, because those are a visual thing that you can see. And so when someone says, I have a successful, happy life and I'm living in a shack, it's not tangible. So it's easy for us to either write it off and say, oh, they're just saying that because they don't have the things that that other people have, or it's too hard for us to understand what we need to do to get our mind into that space. It's a scary place to take away some of those possessions and security and realize that there could be happiness in a different way.
0: You know, it's, it's interesting to me about what you're saying. At some point, there's um, a shift, right? Like, that's what I'm hearing from you. There's a shift from you were thinking this way, and now you're thinking this way. And what I'm always curious about for people um, like yourself and, you know, our colleagues that we uh, definitely share some affinity with, sometimes there's an inflection point, right? Like like something happens and it triggers it. But for other people, it's a more gradual kind of like, you know, like when you do archaeology and they take the weight of the layer and the layer and the layer. Right. So I'm just curious for you, like, was it more like, you know, there's a flash and all of a sudden, you know, Eureka! Andy knows what he's meant to do. Or was it more of an iterative process? I think it's very subjective. So just curious.
2: I think, I think it was a little of both for myself. Hmm. I... I remember a week before I turned 40 and I was standing in my dining room. Mm -hmm. It was a rainy gray day because my birthday is in November in Mm -hmm. the Northwest. It was cold. It was dark out. And my wife at the time basically said to me, if you don't tell me exactly what you want to see happen for your birthday, then I don't know what to do for you, basically. Mm -hmm. And, And I just remember having this moment of feeling like, instantly I knew I wasn't happy in my marriage. I already knew I wasn't happy in my job. And I, the first thought that came to my life was my mind was, oh my gosh, my whole life is going to change in the next year. Like I just knew that big changes had to happen. And so at that very moment, I knew things were wrong that I needed to address. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And so that was the, that inflection point of that aha moment, that awareness. However, it took a couple years after that to really develop defining what those things are that should create that happiness that I knew wasn't there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So there was there was that big moment where it became aware, where I had that awareness, mm-hmm. but then there was definitely trial and error and you know days where I didn't want to get out of bed because I'm depressed thinking, did I just mess up my life like I had a good thing? Did I just not understand what I had? But because you go through that process of giving up what you had but you still have to build up the thing to replace it. And in that interim, you've got some lows that you need to work through. And and now I've worked through those and I feel very good and I'm very happy and excited about all these things that are going on in life. But it was definitely a process.
0: You know, when you're describing the shift and, and, and I'm fortunate enough to have met you kind of when you were earlier on, you know, in, in the shift, so I can actually see like how much... Uh, for lack of a better word, settled you are and just kind of, you know, more uh, in the flow of, of, of where you want to be. Um, I get the picture of like, you know, like how you have those monkey bars on on the playground and you swing from yeah. one to the other and and that whole concept of you have to let go of one yeah. of the bars to advance to the next bar. But as you let go, it's a very precarious situation because you used to have two yeah. hands on both bars. Right. Mm-hmm. But now you just have one and, you know, you could fall or you could get hurt. Um, but if yeah. you want to move forward, you have to let go of some of the things in the past. And I imagine you've experienced quite a bit of that.
2: Oh, definitely. And, and it wasn't as like, I, I like to think that it was, it was scary and dramatic but it wasn't as scary like i'm giving everything up as much as this is what needs to be done and as i look back i am more aware of how much how much that was but in the moment i just felt like these are the steps that i need to take and so while i did have to let go of that bar i was holding on to it was scary but it was the bar was basically on fire. And if I didn't let go, I'd be burning myself and I'd fall into it, right? You you have to get the swinging momentum going and jump before your, your resource or your safety ledge is gone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, there's this great way of thinking about procrastination where, you know, if, uh, if there's a plank, you have to walk across like a building and you're, and you're scared and you don't want to go but all of a sudden the building's on fire and is about to explode well all of a sudden you're gonna like walk across
2: (laughs) yeah well and that's i feel like in life constantly we are playing a which is greater fear game where definitely we're afraid of you know one thing until that gets dealt with or until something else becomes a bigger fear you know you're afraid of heights until the building crashing becomes a bigger fear or you're afraid, uh, you know, for me, I was afraid of the whole world, not like finding out I was gay. Like that was my biggest fear my whole life. And I, mm-hmm. I would tell people my biggest fear was heights or, you know, getting cut by knives and stabbed and all that kind of stuff. But in reality, that was my biggest fear all day long. Everything I thought about was, is this gonna make me look gay? Is this gonna give away my secret? Is this gonna expose me in a way that's, that I don't wanna be perceived? I didn't realize how much that was building up all this stress. But when the fear of dying in that, in that lifestyle and not living your true self and not being able to help my kids see what an authentic person should be like,
0: mm-hmm. when,
2: when you see those things become scarier, then you know that you just got to get over that fear.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know what you said about, um, helping your kids, it really resonates with me because I I truly believe when each of us lives the way we're meant to be, it's not just for ourselves. I mean, kind of part of the main point is it really helps everyone else around us, right? Like either directly or indirectly, like through example, and, and allows them to live kind of, their best selves? I mean, what shifts have you noticed, you know, since, you know, it's been several years now, but what kind of shifts have you noticed in maybe others around you?
2: Oh, it's definitely been good to see. I've, like, even just with my kids, for example, I have better relationships with them. Mm. And I was afraid of going through a divorce because I didn't want my kids to have come from a broken fo- family, mm. have, the, have the home disturbed. But what I realized was that that was keeping me from being the best father i could be and now we can actually have true conversations where i'm not holding back or trying to figure out what the right answer should be i'm telling them exactly how i feel and we're having very open discussions about things when we need to uh with you know my parents i was afraid to talk to them about who i was because they're you know they're 80 and 85 and they are you know i was raised catholic they're come from a completely different tradition but What I've noticed is people being able to hear where I'm coming from has opened up their ability to accept people more than just me. You know, it helps them see, you know, that other people have more of a story. And when you find out something close to someone close to you, when you learn something about someone close to you, it allows you to realize, oh, there's more to this person than I realized. There could be more to that stranger than I'm giving them credit for. Or this person on TV that I'm Ridiculing in my mind, maybe there's more to their story, and it just opens up that that awareness.
0: And and if I might add, and I think this dovetails quite nicely into the work you do um, coaching and and with clients. Um, in addition to helping people learn how to accept others or view others better, I would almost say that you know another big part is helping others accept themselves more, right? Because by your example, they can see like, look, this guy has transformed his life and he understands these principles. You know, maybe there's something that I haven't been able to accept in myself because my parents told me something or my spouse or society is telling me something. But I realize like, okay, you know, maybe I'm an artist. Maybe I'm not a jock. Maybe I'm Um, maybe I'm meant to be a corporate person. I'm not meant to be a teacher, but like my family's a bunch of educators. So they would look down on me if I, you know, went into the business, that sort of thing.
2: Yeah, definitely. I actually was just having a conversation with a client about a very similar thing the other day, where he was not feeling settled in life, because there are all these different avenues that he likes to pursue. And I was challenging him to to instead of trying to identify as any one particular interest that he has, let's say you like soccer, you like horseback riding, you like all these different things and you can't, you know, jump all in on any one. I said, can you view yourself in any way as an, in, as an adventurer or an explorer, where you don't have to, you know, take any train all the way to the final destination, but part of what you do in life is explore and go down different paths with all these different things and realize that it's okay and you can be more settled in yourself knowing that this is who you are because a lot of people are looking at you going look at all this cool stuff that this guy is doing you know joe's doing this on tuesday and this on wednesday and on monday he was jumping out of an airplane whatever it is but in the meantime you might feel unsettled because you can't say well i'm a i'm a poet or i'm an author or whatever
0: you know you know what um what you're saying uh, makes me think of is this whole concept of kind of convention and and duality, right? Because humans, we like things to be neat, right? Mm -hmm. So you can either be a jock or you can be a nerd. You can be, you know, a, a musician or you can be, you know, a professional kind of thing, right? So it's very hard for us sometimes to grasp, like, why can't you be both if both are what you're meant to be, right? Mm-hmm. So so it's not right. just about choosing one thing, it's about owning to use your words, owning your awkward like maybe those things don't normally go together, right? right? Like like maybe you're an engineer who loves doing stand-up comedy or something and all your engineer friends are like what's that and all your comic mm-hmm. friends are like dude, why are you so square? <laughs>
2: yeah, and that's where you bring the difference and that's what makes it different and unique for you.
0: Yeah. 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 Very true. Absolutely. So um Talk to us a little bit about your ideas or, or your insights on um how this happens in terms of us starting to feel that 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 we're not good enough, right? Like because I feel like that forms over over a lifetime. You know, I feel like we're kind of born not even realizing that's a thing and it and it and it kind of builds somehow. So just curious to get your perspective.
2: Well, I think there's there's a couple things. One is I like the idea of going back to your childhood before you had inhibitions and before things were placed on you as far as the rules and, and ideas mm-hmm. and think about what are the things that you thought would be awesome.
1: Mm-hmm. Because
2: those are the dreams that you had before you ever started putting boundaries and kind of building a prison around you, if you will. So, you know, as, you're, as a child, you see the world as, as just everything you can conquer and you're having these adventures in your front or backyard, and, and in your mind, you can go anywhere. But then you, you learn that, that you can only travel so far, so there's one wall put up, and then you learn that you need money to do something else, so then there's another wall put up. And pretty soon, you're in this place where this, you've built this prison around you that you can't escape based on your own rules or other people's expectations. So if you can go back to your childhood and think about, what are the things that I really loved doing or was interested in? and then the other thing that I like to do is to think about ideas that have never left your mind and a lot of times those are the same thing. I always wanted to be a writer from the time I was really young. I just remember getting good feedback from teachers on the things that I would write in grade school and knowing that's something I wanted to do but I didn't know what I would write about. I had a hard time identifying a story or coming up with something to share Mm
1: -hmm.
2: but it was still always in the back of my head that I needed to be writing but I didn't have time. I was working. I didn't know what to say. And so it took me until I was you know, 40 to start writing again and, and actually start sharing it with the world. But it's, there's an idea that was nagging in the back of my head. So instead of letting that stress you out and having you feel less about yourself, just find one step you can take to figure out, well, maybe I can't quit my job and just say I'm an author, but maybe I can start a blog site. It doesn't even cost me any money.
0: It just takes a little bit of time. So one of the concepts that I got from what you just shared, Andy, and I think it's very powerful, is these are limitations, obligations, responsibilities that we've created ourselves. In a way, I mean, it's nice for us to think like, oh, we're doing the right thing, we're being responsible, but really we've kind of submitted to them, like we've given them power over how we move through life and it's very interesting to me that that we although we have given them the power like we almost act like there's something outside of us right like oh now like i can't change anything even though i was the one who made the rule <laughs> exactly
2: yeah you're like you're putting this on yourself but in order to feel better about it you're blaming so, an, an outside source and yeah and, that's, and i think remembering that we have the power to break down those barriers a lot of times we don't feel we do but, it, you know, it, it's not going to be, I wouldn't recommend ripping the bandaid off necessarily. Right. But, you know, slowly, you know, opening a door here or there, figuring out maybe there's a wall that can come down.
0: So what do you say to clients? And I am I, I just speculating, but I imagine this happens to you quite a lot. You know, you're, you're working with a client, they're motivated to change, you share with them what you just shared with us now. And they're like, but Andy, I, it's not just me. You know, I have people who count on me in my life, I have responsibilities, I have a mortgage, whatever, whatever. How do you help them move through that, right? Because, you know, they're understandable concerns. I can, I can hear them echoing in my own head as well if I stop and think about it, right?
2: Well, I, um, I, I challenge everybody to actually journal a lot. And one of the things that I ask people to do when they get into these scenarios is, Write down. Just make a list of everything that you think is a barrier right now. Just write it out, and and that just in a column. Because in the next column next to it, I'm going to challenge you to write next to it whether or not you think that that is an excuse, a justification, or a procrastination. Like mm-hmm. if one of these three, if one of those three things, if it can fit into any of those three categories, you need to accept that and write it down so that when you when you say that to yourself and you tell yourself that story again, you can follow that up with, Oh, I'm making an excuse or mm-hmm. I'm justifying it. Like I go out for a jog in the morning, not as often as I would like to, mm-hmm. but there are some mornings where I walk out the door and it's colder than I thought it was going to be. And right away I go, Oh, I don't have to run today. It's too cold. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just me justifying the fact that I don't have to run <laughs> and making an excuse so that I can procrastinate. It's like all three bundled into one, like oh, I'll wait till the sun comes out. Well, and then, I, and then right away, I tell myself, I'm not going to get fit. I'm not going to stay healthy. I'm not going to accomplish the health goals that I want to accomplish as long as I'm accepting those excuses, justifications, and procrastination. So as long as you let, I call it the EJP virus. As long as you let that EJP virus like eat away in your head, then you're not going to have what you want, which is fine. If you don't really want it bad enough, then live that life. But you have to accept that you're making that choice and that you have the choice. And then the, the next part of that is when you write out that list, if you do find a real concrete stumbling block, then next to it is start writing out all the things that are in your control to get past it. So you're, you're teaching yourself to take control of what you can take control over and push aside the things that really are just arbitrary or you know those, those walls that we've built for no reason.
0: Yeah, one thing that's really resonating with me, um, Andy, is the real power that comes from kind of that combination of, of writing and self-reflection, self-reflection, right? And, and going through that uh, process. There's a real power to that versus just kind of ruminating and like thinking in your head, right? So like, and I feel like the EJP, um i really love that the excuses justification procrastination and as you were sharing that it seems to me that if you if that's the way you roll right like if to use your example if if you go outside and and you constantly do the ejp because of the weather after a while like that becomes your mo right, right. it it it's almost like you can never do anything because it's so easy for all of us to come up with an excuse justification or procrastination for anything that's right. slightly tough in life yeah Exactly.
2: I mean, I've had that where there's a there's a four mile radius that I jog around my neighborhood mm-hmm. and there's a point where I can break off at a two mile point and easily go home. And some days I plan to do that because I don't have enough time or I'm purposely just doing a smaller run. But there are some days where I, I get to that point and it's really easy to justify the fact that I don't have to go the full distance. And I, I start having that conversation in my head about okay, this is in my power, I need to move on. And the only, when I talk about the EJP virus, that excuses, justification, procrastination, the other thing I tell people is the only cure for that is the MDT cure, which is motivation, discipline, and time. Okay. You, have, you have to have all three, because mm-hmm. a lot of times we get very motivated for something and we start putting disciplines in place, And after a couple weeks, we give up because it's like, oh, I I tried this diet. I tried working out. I didn't see anything. But what we forget is time is out of our control. And we have to keep those disciplines and keep up the motivation long enough to get the results.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm always saying, like, if you could bottle that concept or that methodology that really helps people make those, Mm -hmm. let's just call them pesky, you know, resistant changes, whether it's, you know, stopping smoking, you know, living a healthier lifestyle, I don't know, like paying more attention in school or work, like if you could figure out how to do that for people, you would be a billionaire, because we all struggle with it in various areas of our life.
2: Yeah. And, and, you know, the other thing that I think is very important is to give yourself a break when you do fall off of that, you know, momentum that you have going on. Because I, I I used to watch – my son used to love to dig when he was little. didn't matter where we were. He would dig holes in the backyard. He, <laughs> we were at the beach. He would dig holes in the sand. If we were in the mountains, he was digging holes in the snow. He was just digging, like not for any particular reason. Right, right. But I'm, but I, I'm watching him dig this hole in the backyard, and it's just getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> and and every the thing is, when you when you shovel a scoop of dirt out, you put it over – to the side and it creates a pile. Yeah. So not only is this hole getting bigger, but this pile is getting bigger and bigger. And every once in a while he would stop digging. His friends would come over, they'd do other things, he'd come in for dinner. And you know what, when he stopped, the hole didn't fill itself back up, it's still there. Mm-hmm. And when he came back, he took another shovel and the hole kept getting bigger and bigger again, and the pile kept getting bigger. And I like to tell this story to people to remember, if you ate healthy for two months and then All of a sudden, you eat a cheeseburger and fries and pizza for two days. That doesn't take away all the good that you did for two months. That Mm -hmm. hole is still there. That pile is still getting bigger. And as soon as you decide to to make that healthy choice again or do do the thing that you want to do to move your dream forward, you're still going to build on what you had. It doesn't take away what you built. So don't beat yourself up when you do have that bad day, but don't stay in that place too long.
0: It's it's funny because um, I can tell you, and I think you recognize that we often tell ourselves the opposite thing, right? They're like, "Oh, I blew it; it's all over. Why why did I bother?" And then you go back to your, you know, to your old lifestyle.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and we don't give ourselves credit for all the work that we did. It's like, oh no, because we we treat it like we broke the streak, so it must be just done forever, instead of being able to say, "Well, you know, that I was on a good streak." So I, I made good decisions for a month and a half and I didn't for a day or two and I'm going to have another, maybe I'll make it two months this time.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I love this concept and this part of human behavior. And and one thing I've noticed um, personally, at least is if there's something I'm not truly committed to, and there's no real accountability, right? So like, I'll use an example, like um, learning to ride a motorcycle right? So yeah. if you don't learn how to ride it, it's, your job's not going to suffer. No one's really going to think that much less of you. It's, it's really totally your prerogative, right? And then so you're learning to ride and, you know, this may resemble me, but, you know, maybe not. <laughs> and, you, and you're learning to ride and you drop the bike, right? You, you, uh-huh. you drop it, right? And then, and then it shatters and you're like, ah, oh, you're so ashamed, right? Again, not me. Um, you drop the bike and, uh, <laughs> and, and it's like you have two choices you can either tuck your tail between your legs and go back home and not try again for a week and a week will turn into a month and eventually you'll never learn how to ride. Right. Or you can say, you know what? I have to get back on as soon as I can, as long as you're not injured and the bike works, which is now and yeah. go again. And And I feel like that's at least for me, what I've noticed is it's that ability to re-engage like, right away, like as soon as it's safe to do so, that makes a big difference. I don't know if you've seen that uh, in I play as well. Have.
2: In fact, the very first time I did stand up comedy, I had invited a couple friends to watch and I was excited and mm. overconfident and I got on stage <laughs> and I'm in the club, it's pitch black, I can't see anything. And I had my set worked out because we had three minutes. Yeah. And I get up there, and the first thing I do is I look up, and I see the stage lights shining in my eyes, uh-huh. and I forgot what I was going to say, and I Aww. couldn't see the in my phone anymore, and and I, I got through it. I did okay, yeah. but I think yeah. I ended up doing about two minutes out of my three because I didn't want to. You know, it's a very big deal not to go over the light. But I remember as I was walking off the stage, telling myself that wasn't horrific, but it, it was it was not what I was hoped it would be. But if I don't do it again right away, I will never do this again at all. And I have to sign up. And and anytime I'm talking to, whether it's a client or a friend or anybody about doing something new, just sign up right away to do it three times. Don't yeah. do not do the, I, you know, I'm gonna be a toddler who tries to stand up and walk and then, you know, fall over and then you're just, what, never gonna walk again? Like, mm-hmm. th- you're gonna keep doing it and doing it until you get good at it or until you're comfortable with it or you decide that it's, Not for you for other reasons, but don't let the reason that you don't keep trying be because it didn't go so well the very first time.
0: Yeah. So like a, a couple of things that reminds me of, there was a speaker who came um, to our company once, Mel Robbins, no no oh, relation yeah. to I'm Tony Robbins, but, um, you know, she does, uh, her whole thing is about the five second rule, right? Where there's something, you know, you need to do, you got to do it in five seconds, you know, because right. um, otherwise you lose your mojo for it. And and I think that's totally helped a lot of people. And and the other thing that what you're saying, you know, made me think of is um, there's some quote or, you know, maybe it's on, you know, a poster or something um, where everything you want is on the other side of fear, right? It's it's like the fear that holds you back. And then it's so much easier for her to say, no, no, it's scary. I'm not going to do it. And then you wonder why you're not getting what you want because you're sort of like, almost boxing yourself out of it. Like, I love your, I love your stand. I mean, there's no more stronger kind of fear than like going up in front of a crowd and like failing, <laughs> and, like not being funny. Right. Like that's, that. no one would, no one would be upset at you if they, if you said, you know what, this is not for me. Right. Right.
2: Yeah. But, but I would be upset with myself for not ever having that moment where I actually did get to shine a little bit or, You know, when you know, okay, I had these jokes worked out and I didn't get to tell these because I forgot them or whatever. I think our biggest disappointments come when we know we didn't do the best we could. Mm. And we're the only one who knows that, but it can eat you away inside where you just want that other chance to do the best you can. And, And if we give up too soon, then we never know.
0: Yeah. And, and, and I think, Andy, this dovetails quite nicely into the original big lie, which is, you know, I'm not good enough. Right? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes when we start to believe that, then it's it's the fear that gains the advantage. Right?
2: Right. Yeah. And that was for myself, you know, I just, I read into, I I, I bought into all the philosophies of, you know, I, I was reading self-help books all the time, just trying to be a, a better employee, trying to to rise to the next level and what I what I realized it was it was like I was reading a manual for a dishwasher while I was trying to fix my microwave <laughs> it's just never going to work like all of the, this this is designed to heat up food and do all these great things and this is designed to wash the dishes and I'm trying to figure out what's going on and the rinse cycle isn't working or whatever and I was like oh maybe I can get that to happen and yet there's no plumbing hooked up to my microwave you know just it's not going to happen and and the the one thing i just needed to change was my perception and my perspective in order to understand that i have a different set of things to offer and i'm i'm in the wrong arena i'm talking to the wrong audience i need to play a different game
0: yeah 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 it's 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 really interesting to me because um I talk to a lot of people, um, either just colleagues or friends or just you know, random people that you talk to, and so many people, to use your analogy, have that you know I'm a microwave, not a dishwasher. I'm a dishwasher, not a microwave. Yet, they never seem to make the transition, right? Right. It's, it's like they know it intellectually, but from a from a from a making it happen standpoint, they're still firmly the wrong. Com, uh, appliance, so to speak. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, for sure. And you know, one of the, the things, it, it, and I don't want to say I, that self-help books aren't great because I, I still read a lot of them. I but love just,
0: self-help books. You know,
2: <laughs> I definitely do. And, and and a lot of my writing fits into that category, so I'm not yeah, at all yeah. it. However, I was reading it with from the wrong mindset, in that right. I that I need to fix these things about myself, rather than tapping into what are the best things about myself I can enhance. And one of the best books that I had read uh, probably five or six years ago was called Leverage Your Best, Ditch the Rest. Mm. And it's all about how to perform better in the workplace with the idea of instead of believing this mindset that we need to, you know, maybe maybe we're not comfortable speaking to a room full of people. Maybe we're not comfortable with PowerPoint, but we're a really good accountant. We're really good with statistics. And instead of, listening to the boss saying well you need to get better in these areas and you know and you know not worry about focusing on your math skills so much then you're actually kind of lowering your you know you're instead of being really excelling in one area and not doing well in another you're just kind of balancing and just kind of becoming mediocre across the board because you're focusing on these skills while you let these kind of waver. and what the the point of the book is that there's probably a business across the street That really would love to have an uh, awesome accountant or somebody with your skill set. So you need to find out where your skill set is desired. And really push that and leverage it and and be your best and not focus on the rest of the things that don't fit in. And granted, there's a certain level of proficiency that you need to get to to perform in some areas, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to be trying to be a rock star in areas that aren't specific to that thing that you are passionate about.
0: Yeah, the, the whole self help book thing is 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 interesting. My my wife kinda laughs at me how much uh, <laughs> I, I I read these kind of things and she's always like, It's common sense. And I'm like, Yeah, but it's not common to me, or most people are not like, you know, understanding it. And um, you know, the, the one thing that I've after reading like way too many self help books over the years, uh well, one thing I've come to sort of distinguish about them is the ones that really resonate with me are not the ones about Changing yourself or changing others, right? It's it's not about forcing something unnatural. It's more about kind of like how you describe this book. It's about understanding the principles of how things work and kind of right. optimizing for that, as opposed to forcing something that you don't have. Figuring out, okay, what is it that I do have? What does the world want? What works? And and how do I better kind of flow into that? If that makes sense?
2: Yeah, that makes total sense because instead of trying to change the essence of you, Mm -hmm. you're you're discovering that and figuring out
0: how to bring that to
2: the world. Yeah, Yeah. And I I would say that's very similar to the same types of books that that resonate with me because I I will go to the library when that was a thing and get a stack of books Mm -hmm. and I'll just start reading the beginning and and a lot of times there's three or four that I don't end up getting into because they just don't resonate and then I'll find the few that do and those are the ones I'll stick with but it is about, about finding a way to bring the best of yourself out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Andy, let me ask you for our listeners, you know, now that we've sort of revealed and uncovered, discussed a little bit, this, this big lie about not being good enough. What is one specific concrete step that people can take today to take advantage of this new knowledge?
2: You know, I would, I would challenge everybody to be aware of how you're thinking and what you're telling yourself. And one thing that I think is really important is when you look at the things that you're insecure about with yourself, I want you to look at the other people around you and see if you can see an insecurity in them, but then think about how you view them. Does that really lower your view of them? Does it really make you feel like, oh, they're not good enough for anything? Because we tell ourselves that we're not good enough because of the insecurities we see in ourselves, yet we're willing all day long to accept all of those things about all the people around us. Mm. The critical thing to remember is that's the way people are viewing you. They're accepting you with the things that you see as insecurities. And more often than not, they love you for them. A lot of times those are the things that we are nervous about or shy about, whether it's the way we talk, the way we look, what what our talents are. And people across the room are going, I, I love Joe because of the way he presents himself, and I wish I had that confidence, or I wish I could be like this. And yet we're over here going, ah, I don't want them to notice this about me. And yet, if we can get our in our own minds and realize, be aware of how we perceive other people and realize that they're perceiving us in a lot of ways the same way with acceptance, that it, it will allow us to be okay in that space.
0: Yeah, I, I I love that advice. I love what you're saying here, Andy. and. You know, what I'm hearing coming through, it, it really has a lot to do with authenticity in terms of being who you're meant to be and accepting that, right? Like like just saying, you know what, this is, this is who I'm supposed to be, right? Um, and I think a lot of us, we have some shame or fear or uh, inability to be vulnerable that stops us from, to your great point, doing the things that people really like about us. I mean, those are the things that are memorable.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's the differences that make, all, make, it, make it wonderful.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Andy, it's been such a pleasure talking to you today. Always a pleasure. Um, tell us, uh, you mentioned your book. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about that, what you're working on, and, and how can people in the audience get in touch with you to learn more or, or just talk to you one-on-one?
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, you can find me on any social media. My, my handle is Awkward Career or you can log on to my website, awkwardcareer.com, and there's a, there's a link right there. You can schedule a discovery call if you wanna just chat or email me. I'm always happy to connect with people on social media or one-on-one. I just love talking to people, hearing their story, and seeing any way that we can help. So awkwardcareer.com or Andy Vargo or Andy Vargo AwkwardCareer Career, all over the place. Uh, My latest book will be coming out and you can actually go and pre-order it now or um, I'll have a a free digital download day in October. So there's an event for that on Facebook right now so that you don't miss the event. Uh, But it's Own Your Awkward Life Changes and it's all about uh, learning how to master the changes in your life and take the emotion out of it. So a lot of good stuff coming up. Uh, Check it out, awkwardcareer.com and uh, look forward to connecting with people.
0: Awesome, Wendy. Well, I'm going to ask just out of my own curiosity. Um, tell us a little bit about this whole process of writing a book, because we both know tons of people who want to write a book, mm-hmm. right? Like, like everyone's about to write a book, right? But you've actually gone through the process. You're 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 publishing it. You're, you're you've you've checked that box, right? So talk to us a little bit about that journey and 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 what made the difference for you. And now that you'll be a published author, because it's very exciting to me.
2: Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's the most exciting thing. It's been challenging in, in different ways than I expected. This is a book I thought I would release last October, I, I thought started writing it in the summer and and even though I had done similar projects, I thought, Oh, I'll, I'll have it gathered and ready to go. And I had to give up on the idea of hitting an arbitrary deadline. And I I actually, I, I have post it notes where I list my top uh, priorities and it used to say finish finish this book and i actually was very frustrated with myself one day about the fact that it, everything that i would do to change to make a change in the book would push the deadline further out and i kept feeling like i wasn't doing what i was supposed to be doing by finishing the book i wasn't finishing the book so i changed my post-it note and i said make this book the best it can be
1: and i just mm. slapped
2: that over the top because I, I had to give up on the idea of finishing it just to finish it but allow myself to be able to make the changes and go through the editing process because it's it's not a fast process. You have to uh, you know be willing to share your work and be, be vulnerable to share it with other people. And the things that, that I would sometimes write that I felt were clear, people would say, oh, I feel like you could have expanded on this or what did you mean by that? And as I reread it, they were totally right. And I realized I need to take the time to get the feedback beyond just putting my words
0: on the page. Well, Andy, I am very excited uh, to check out your books, and thank you for uh, following through and, and, and writing, because I know a lot of people have amazing things to share, and, and it's a real shame um, when it doesn't get shared more widely, and a book is, is a great way to do that. So thank you, Andy, for sharing your big lie with us. I can't wait to see what happens next.
2: Thank you so much. Appreciate it, Joe.
0: Hi, this is Joe Kwan, the Connection Counselor. I have an exciting update to share. My third book, Unlock Your Connection, Feel Like Family, is available on Amazon.com. Using universal principles, we explore how to unlock more professional success by learning how to connect to anyone, anytime, anywhere. Together with Unlock Your Charisma and Unlock Your Executive Presence, These three books form the first segment of my Unlock Your Leadership series. To learn more, go to www.connectioncounselor.com. For questions or to inquire about personal or team coaching, email me at joe at connectioncounselor.com. Thank you so much for listening to The Big Line. We hope it has an amazing impact on your life. I only have one favorite to ask. If you enjoy the show, please tell the one person you know who needs to hear about it and share the link. That's it. Together, we can vanquish these illusions that are holding us back.